I ever do anything right I want to be so good to this, this little life If I ever wake in the night I want to know I tried my best with this little life Progressive Parenting Radio is a production of Progressive Parenting Network and GinaKirby.com. No material on this radio program should be considered medical advice. This is a listener-funded program. And now, your host, Gina Kirby. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, or whenever it is that you do join us, as our all of our shows are archived. And I know that a lot of people are very busy in the morning, so they generally will listen to old archive shows of ours. So welcome, no matter what time it is that you're listening. Thank you for tuning in to Progressive Parenting. Now, if this is your first time listening, I'd like to let you know a little bit about the program. Here we are. Progressive Parenting gets that being a parent is the hardest job that you will ever have, and we want you to know that you are not alone. My name is Gina Kirby, and I'm your humble host. I am not a parenting expert, but as a doula, a childbirth educator, La Leche League International Breastfeeding Peer Counselor and Concerned Parent of Four Children. I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood. So I'll be inviting doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Because this is a progressive talk show, we will broach topics and air opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not to preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Progressive Parenting Radio is a listener-funded program. If you enjoy the information that we bring to you, please consider donating at uh, our website, at GinaKirby.com. Progressive Parenting Radio has been broadcasting for nine years, bringing quality information to listeners like you. We would like to thank our listeners and our sponsors for supporting our mission to bring great information to great people. The number to call in during the program is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. If you have a question or would like to make a comment, please press 1 and it will alert our producer that you have something to say. I am very excited about my guest today and very excited about the topic. And I'm just really happy that uh, you're listening in to talk about this. I love talking about birth. Anybody who knows me knows that I love to talk about birth. And I am very excited um to ever talk about it. Like I can go on and on and on for days uh, talking about birth. So anytime that I get a chance to do on this program, because we do talk a lot about parenting on the show, hence the title, but um, being pregnant and giving birth is a big part of some of our uh, journeys, uh, as it were. And um, oh my goodness, just so you guys know what's going on with me, I had sent an email to our guest. Uh, here we go. It's working. Everything is fine. 
Let's go ahead and just get to it. Hello, you're live on the air. Hi, I'm so sorry I'm late. Oh, it's okay. You're perf- the timing is perfect. I didn't even get a chance to uh, to even introduce you to our audience, so this works out fantastic. Um, fantastic. I'm really happy to be here. Go ahead. That's okay. Everything will show up for a reason I found in my life. So um, if you would, um, maybe just introduce yourself uh, to our audience. Uh, our listeners, I know a lot of our listeners already know who you are, but uh, just for maybe the one or two that don't, if you could just introduce sure, yourself sure, sure. and then we'll go from there. Sure, sure, sure. So I, my name is Judith Tornetta, and oh my God, I can tell you where I'm going right now, and that tells you um, how scattered brain I am, but uh, I'm about to go to a workshop of uh, doulas about bereavement. So because I'm a birth and a postpartum doula, I also do workshops around the world with the midwife Robin Lim called Loving the Mother. And the, what is really in my heart is that I run a nonprofit organization called Joy in Birthing Foundation. And we serve about 200 low-income women a year in the Los Angeles area. Mm. So kind of like many hats, and I also, of course, written a couple of books, but whatever. <laughs> That's enough about me <laughs> introducing me. <laughs> I love you. Well, I had you on today because I wanted to talk about speaking of books. You're so humble. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Um, I'm excited about the this, this second book that you've written uh, as it's, it's just – Sounds amazing. I didn't get to finish it. I really wanted to before the end of the. That's okay. The I mean, it's not like you're um, you're not busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love the idea uh, that the book, you know, is inspiring women to use their creative feminine power to awaken to their full potential. Just those words give me the chills, and um, act as a co-creative agent to manifest the life they covet. Oh, it just sounds so exciting. So um, I, I want to know more about Conversations with the Womb. This is your second book, and I want to know more about it. Um, and what what drove you to write it? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, when I was writing my first book, Painless Childbirth, I had done, I basically started it when my daughter was born. So it was 23 years before I actually published it. But uh, it was it really began as sort of like a stream of consciousness, just writing whatever that came to mind in my personal journey of whatever, talking to my womb, rediscovering myself, and so on and so forth. And then when I became a doula, which was 2002, I decided that I wanted to put all this together, put it in a book, have it a methodology about it. And interestingly enough, um, the methodology was actually suggested, I go to the beach all the time, and uh, was suggested to me by, you know, my womb, I guess, you know, whatever I call it. And the structure was this nine chakras of creation, which is based on the seven chakras that everybody knows, plus a couple of more, 
that I took the poetic liberty to add, even though we know that there are thousands of chakras and different systems. Anyway, long, long story short, I had the structure of those chakras to teach or to talk about, to encourage women to go on a personal journey while they were pregnant, taking each month of gestation as one of the chakras and discovering their beliefs, their anxiety, their fears within that month of gestation as well as that month, that chakra. So I really love the journey that it took me and that it also took some women and some women started reading the book without being pregnant. And they kind of wrote to me and said, um, you know, I wasn't pregnant, but this was like really, really, really good for me. So I decided that I was going to speak the language of the chakras, that this particular methodology, that is just as good as any other methodology, is just one of the many that really works for me to go on a journey of self-discovery. And this time, instead of being pregnant, all you have to do is have a womb or be a lover of wombs. Because I've had men also read this book. And it's basically, you know... When I talk about conversations with the womb, what I mean is that if a woman, and probably everybody, but if you talk to your gut feeling, right, your intuition is really what you're talking about, really chakra-wise, it's your womb. It's not your intestine, it's your womb, right? Yes. And you have this gut feeling. So... When you look at the different relationships that you have with other people, second chakra, with yourself, third chakra, with love and relationships, fourth chakra, with the way you express yourself to yourself and others, fifth chakra, your vision, sixth chakras, your knowledge, seventh, and then eight and nine are the relationship with God. It's just a great step-by-step tool instead of just talking about a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's more a methodology. What do you think? Is that clear? Yes, absolutely. Oh, good. So it's just a methodology that I use to go through this journey and then realize, let's say, oh, first chakra is tradition, right, and family. So what are the things that I've held um, in terms of beliefs for my family? Uh, what are the things that I want to keep? What are the things I want to let go? And how do I let go every day of something that doesn't serve me? Mm. Which is, I mean, that's helpful in everyday life, whether, like you said, whether you're pregnant or not. Right. So, in a sense, it's almost like you can take this and, and it, you know, you can work on it once, and then you use it as a methodology, like and you're in going to a relationship, and you ask yourself, okay, but, you know, I keep pointing the finger to this other person for all the things that they have done, you know, and they three other fingers are pointing back at me, meaning... 
what is my part in it? Because mm-hmm. I can't change what that person has done to me. You know, talking about Valentine's Day, this is a great thing to talk about. I've actually just written a, an article on my website, joinbirthing.com, about relationships to to celebrate Valentine's Day. You know, and those are the kind of like little quick exercises that you can do when you're doing the four chakras. So you can do the four chakra work for your whole life, and then you can do the kind of four chakra work that keeps you on your toes um, in, uh, you know, in the relationship or in the situation that you're at right now. Right. Huh. I had, um, I want my, my, I want to send your book to my friend. I just got a a text from her this morning um, saying that, she was concerned about something, and this is a birth person, right? She's a uh, an ex midwife. She used to be a midwife, and now she's she's sounding very much like a pregnant woman. You know, no matter how much we were in the birth world, when you're when you're pregnant, it's different. It's just very different for you. And um, she just sounded yes, very yes. fearful and upset, and it didn't sound like my friend. And I would just, I want to get this book in her hands so quickly <laughs> before she has to <laughs> Well, you know, something that it reminds me is is that, in a sense, there are, you know, it, it, it it's also a call for me to accept that we are whoever we are. So there are some people who's like, I'm supposed to be happy right now. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. that. There is so much pressure on what you're supposed to be, and there is very little love for what is, for what you just are. And if you are just reminded of that in a moment of down, like it's okay to be down, it's okay. It's actually okay to be mad. You're mad, that's great. Be mad. Mm -hmm. You're very sad, great. Be very sad. Don't get stuck there. (laughs) But... um, it's this, it's this acceptance that it's very, very hard in women, also because we're so isolated, you know? This wonderful workshop that you and I have to do together in Bali, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yes, please. Love in the Mother is about spending six days where you literally are cuddled by other women, you're heard. You you can speak, you listen, you really listen, you really care. And we could try to develop that in our little communities just a little bit more. And in lack of that, sometimes a methodology or a book, you know, that's why sometimes I call myself virtual doula when, I, when I'm working with, you know, painless childbirth, is that I don't want to substitute anybody but it's like in the middle of it's two o'clock in the morning you know just open a page and let's talk let's chat i'm here i'm giving yeah. you some ideas take them don't take them doesn't matter makes you brainstorm you know that's uh, and and we can do that with our womb of course we will be looked upon as schizo that speak to themselves <laughs> i do that all the time <laughs> I don't see anything but, wrong with talking to yourself. Oh, no, totally, totally, no, I, I know, I know. Neither do I, because I do it, so I better, I better like it. 
But so that's the intention, you know. The intention really is that the womb is the only organ in your body that actually can physically create another human being and therefore can create whatever you put in, whether it's a real seed or whether it's an imaginary, not imaginary seed, but a non-physical seed. And then that is the place from which all can be created. And it's very special. And it's, you know, in Painless Childbirth, they talk about doing that and being conscious of a child. Here is being conscious of your, the things that you want to manifest. And, you know, theoretically, Painless Childbirth is first chakra. Second chakra, I haven't written it yet, but it's a workshop that I do. It's called Healing the Money. Third chakra is conversation with the womb. Hmm. One of these days, I will write something about the heart. <laughs> I don't know if I'll make, because it's almost like every chakra needs a book, you know? Yeah. But, you know. And especially the heart, and, and the way the heart and the brain um, yeah. converse with yeah. one another. That that just deserves, like, a, a whole book in itself right there, too. Right, right. I think I, think I should have written that. <laughs> Maybe ten years ago. <laughs> you can just keep writing books. Well, yeah. Or as somebody can jump in. I think that the heart, uh, the heart, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, uh, I am very much in awe of uh, of long marriages. I think that is just like really, really beautiful. Um, I don't know if I can give much uh, knowledge about that because I know nothing about it. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, theoretically, it's a whole world in each chakra, and that's what I really, really enjoy. Like, actually, I am writing another uh, book, and for some reason, the, I believe this would be the eighth, eighth chakra they call me, because I'm very non-linear, if you will. So I wrote one and two. No, I wrote one and three, thought about two. It's a manual and a workshop. Um, didn't think about the other ones yet. So, but you know, I'm I'm very much sounds might sound strange, but I'm very much curious and excited and in love by all that I find and all that I discover. You know, and uh, and I think that every woman has this. Uh, ability to have this incredible self-love to say, yeah, I'm actually interested to finding out more about me and how I can make myself feel good most of the time and completely forgive myself if I don't feel good and cuddle myself if I'm hurt, you know, but just, it's just a good journey. It's a good journey. At the same time, I think that women coming together is another fantastic journey. Yeah, that doesn't um, happen a lot in our culture anyway in the United States. It's not um, something that is pushed upon young women or, I mean, you see almost the opposite. And the very first time I think I was ever at an event where it was very woman-centered and all about other women, it was so moving 
I just I found myself bawling because I had never had that kind of experience growing up. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I actually got to experience what it's like to really just be, like to be present and um, in the moment with other women and to be heard by them and to see them. And that whole experience, that very first time, just I feel like it just threw my the doors of my heart open and it changed me completely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I see I see the incredible uh, feedbacks and testimonials that I I hear women share after your workshops, and that's exactly it. You know, is this hit that you get when you do a red tent or when you do, you know, your kind of workshop or loving the mother or any any sort of like really deep gathering versus yeah. being cool gathering, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and that deep gathering is something that I think, you know, it's a revolution, it's happening, more and more it's happening. I think anthropologically we need to move forward as women. I have this crazy theory uh, that the competition that there is among women comes from an anthropological conundrum, if you will, where in the village, before man could reckon, knew that his seed was impregnating the woman, the man had to recognize himself in the child to be close to the woman, and the woman had to compete with other women to be protected, quote-unquote, by the environment, unless mm. she was a, you know, she was a, an Amazon or, you know, <laughs> she was in yeah. a matriarchal society. But, so there is that competition that is a survival competition amongst each other, even though there is a great deal of help once you have secured the, the man and you are still nurturing the children together, and you're gathering food together. But then when men comes back into the village, there is this, like, standoffish mm. thing that is anthropological, which is was very useful, but we just kind of got to get over it because life <laughs> is not like that anymore. But it's a very primordial getting over it, you know? Yeah. Uh, one of the things yeah. that... It's very important for me, and, I, and I'm hoping to get that message through with my book, Conversations with the Womb, is that we have so embraced the patriarchal without even kind of being aware of it. And what I mean by that is not this sort of angry, oh, the patriarchal, boo, 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 but the way we women have now completely infiltrated and excelled into the working world has made us embrace a patriarchal paradigm where you still are, you know, PMSing when a man is aggressive, you're still emotional when a man is moody, whatever, you know, and we still don't have completely equal pay. So it's it's a call to learning how to do the feminine even in the patriarchal paradigm. And you see that very much in the birthing world where the medical is the male paradigm. 
and we're trying to go towards more the female midwife paradigm with inclusiveness because thank God for doctors, right? Right. So that's, uh, you know, that's just sort of like crazy anthropological belief system that I have so that we can just like be aware that we don't have to fight anymore with each other and we really need to support each other because we really like it. <laughs> we really <laughs> like it when we're good friends. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So, it changes you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just nurtures you. You know, literally, literally nurtures you. Well, I don't think that we're supposed to, we're not supposed to live alone. We're not supposed to be alone. Um, I really don't think so. And when we when we find each other, when we find that connection, it's it it nurtures you, like you said, and it also it you're continually evolving when you are open to other people. You don't just stay stagnant when you are when you allow yourself to be open to others. Yes, yes. You know, of course. I think the technology and the and the life that we lead right now is. You know, I know you just moved to Philadelphia, right? No, no, Philadelphia. Phoenix, right? No, Albuquerque. (laughs) Uh, And I remember Albuquerque very little. I did stop by there. But Los Angeles, the the distances, like, you know, I have to admit, I overbooked. I double booked today. But this workshop (laughs) that one of these days I'm going to get to is downtown L.A., and it's like a full hour and I'm looking forward to going to because there's going to be a lot of doulas there that I just want to say hi to. And, of course, the workshop was very interesting as well. But, you know, it's a commitment to say I'm going to go an hour away to meet a bunch of people. Yeah. The distances, you know, and that's why, hey, I admit it, I love Facebook. I love Instagram and Twitter and because I love to hear all these people's lives, but I don't have to move anywhere. And if I can answer, if I have the time to answer, I answer. But I just rejoice, like, even when, like, nine-year-olds' birthdays, you know, uh, that I do like nine years ago. Cool. I love to hear that, you know. Um, so I think that it's a new way of nurturing one another, you know, and if we can do groups in the same city, it's great, but, you know, we're going to need this one or two. You know, there's also this this idea that it has to be a group, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know. I get it whenever I can. I'll tell you that. I'm like, there you I, go. <laughs> I reach out all the time. I'm like, just one person? Okay, I can, just me and you, that's fine. Okay, and then a the group of ladies, that's great, too. I, I, I just, agree. I, I, I find that when I don't get to have that communion, if you will, um, yeah. with other women for long periods of time, I find myself like dipping. My my spirit dips. My my mood changes. I'm not like as boisterous and bouncy as I usually am because I'm not yeah. getting that that fix <laughs> that that um, yeah. influx of other people's energy and love and and I don't know. I have to have it. I have to. Like be among other women. You know, I totally, um, I totally see it. That. I mean, I love following you. I love following you and and Jack's adventures, man. I think that's going to be like 
great picture book. I love to see the picture book of you and all this airplanes, like having a drink after Jack at two-hour meltdown. I mean, you're definitely, you're definitely a, a, an adventure junkie, so I totally get it that there is this incredible need to have it really often. And, you know, we, we everybody's different. You know, some people might get overwhelmed by too much. I mean, I frankly cannot not travel as much as you do I but hats off to you I'm like I travel once a year to Europe and I do a lot of traveling in 30 days and I'm like okay I'm done now I'm back home (laughs) got lots of other things I want to do but you keep on going it's like it's amazing you know so yeah go get it as much as you can and I think that you know once we know ourselves I remember Probably about 20 years ago, no, maybe less, like 15 years ago or something, just before I became a doula, I put on a, I recorded, I made a recording of myself talking as if it was the present moment, and I was, though, talking about how grateful I was for all the things that I wish were to come but they haven't been there yet, but I was speaking to myself as if they had already accomplished, right? Fast mm-hmm. forward to 14, 15 years later, one of the things that I had said is that I wanted to go to travel because I love traveling, and I wanted the traveling to be not just a vacation, but I wanted to, first of all, support me. Okay, support the travel so I was paid for it. I didn't have to worry about it. I could do whatever. And that I would have all sorts of people that I would know all over the world. That was the very vague um, gratitude that I had because I didn't want to encapsulate it. And, you know, now that I do this one month in Europe and sometimes we go to Bali, with loving the mother doing one red tent basically after another and one of it seven days long it's an amazing amazing smorgasbord of red tenting ah, um, mm. is what I wanted to manifest not so sure I could do that much more than that you know because I'm a very reserved person and I love I love aloneness but you know, it's it's great to be able to know oneself and choose whichever path, and then that path will actually manifest itself without mm. just getting too granola, sprout eating, birthing stock wearing, which I am <laughs> wearing. Uh, philosophy, you know, it's not it's not the granola philosophy per se. It's more like. As long as I am vague with what I like to accomplish, whatever it is, it's actually going to happen. Because I'm feel I'm going to feel really, really good about it, and so I'm going to go towards it. And I think your traveling is probably that, right? Oh yeah, I I think I travel a lot. Be- well, I love to travel. Like I think I just put that out there, and I'm grateful for. Any chance I get to, I love meeting new people. I love seeing new places. I love being places I've never been. And when I'm traveling, I'm like exuding that. Like I'm putting that into the universe because I'm so excited to be traveling. And then I then I get to travel more. <laughs> it just yes. it just works that way. I don't know. I, I'm I'm getting what I'm putting out there. So um, yeah, totally, I, totally. I guess when I'm totally. done with traveling, I'll be done with traveling. <laughs> 
Right. Well, you know, I mean, listen, I'm nearly 60 years old. God bless my beautiful soul. <laughs> and uh, I have changed many, 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 many uh, professions and uh, way of doing things. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's fun. You know, I mean, I used to, I used to be really strong in the business world. I was very patriarchal. My my man was all out there <laughs> and strong. <laughs> and and I'm really glad for it because a lot of the things that I've learned for my business and the reason why I can do a nonprofit, I can do this and I can do that is because the patriarchal really taught me how to be uh have the tools to have a successful career and in in what I ultimately love. I don't think I've ever kept a job more than five years before, and I've been at this for almost 14, 15 years, so it's definitely what I much prefer to do, but God, I remember the first time I got the suggestion, stand at the beach, you know, from the universe, call it whatever, (laughs) and I... I do this, and I just literally went home and went on the web, and I said, do you know how much I'm making as a television producer? Hello? <laughs> I don't think a doula's making that much money, <laughs> you know? And yeah. uh, and it was just a really interesting challenge, and now, uh, I, you know, I couldn't be happier. Of course, I have burnt downs. Um, and, and being a doula, it's very similar at times as being in the front line of war. Hmm. And it's really an intense statement, and, you know, God bless if anybody's taking offense to that. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But we are close to life and death. Yeah. Most of the time is absolutely not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when it is a big deal... Um, PTSD is a definite, definite condition, I think, for some doulas because we witness, sometimes we witness some incredible stuff, be abuse or complication with fantastic doctors working really, really hard mm-hmm. to make it happen, and yet the hysterectomy happens or the baby doesn't make it, you know. Yeah. So it's it's so it's a, it's a war zone that is like really kind of mellow until it's not, you know. I think that nurses, doctors, doulas, policemen uh, are more or less on the scale of uh, people that live on the front line, and there is a tremendous amount of self work. They have to do to be able to handle a job like this. Not that you know, being uh, at a marketing meeting at Turner, you don't have that much nervousness and adrenaline. But you know, it's a question of whether you're going to sell a cartoon or not versus a life. Now, mm-hmm. I love being a doula. I don't have the responsibility of the life, but I'm still very much influenced by what happens and needing to support another woman a bit forgetful at the moment of my own feelings because I'm there in service. Mm-hmm. But then going home and having the tools to coddle myself. 
Yeah, that's so important. If, if for any new doulas listening, I really, really want you to take this to heart because it's such a big part of what we do. You can't be a doula and not have these tools to be able to process and then work through births, whether they're great or not. Um, I think each one needs to be processed before you can go to the next one um, so you don't yeah. bring that with you, good or bad. Like I said, it doesn't matter because good has judgment on it too. Um, but no, totally, you... totally, totally. It's like, you know, one of the things that I tell my clients all the time is that <laughs> when they ask me about their doctor, you know, I, or the providers, but mainly their doctors, I say to them, look, every doctor and sometimes every nurse and every midwife that is doing the numbers that they're doing in the hospital Mm-hmm. are as only as good as their last birth, in a mm-hmm. sense. What I mean by that is that if by any chance a doctor that is really open-minded minded and really, really cool has lost a baby after at the 42nd week of gestation, and you get that doctor that week, he might not let you go to 42 weeks and want to induce simply because of what happened to the last woman. You see what I mean? Yeah. So so we, as professional, and I'm, I don't know if they do this in medical school, but I'd be very surprised if they didn't, uh, you have to learn as a doctor and a midwife to let go of what just happened. You know, and and every birth is a new, but it's a skill, and it's and we're all human, and some some people have that skill, and some people don't. But as a doula, you know, I know that some trainers do talk about this, and there is not enough time to actually learn how to do it. But definitely, self care in between births, not allowing that energy or what happened to come into your life. And if it does, uh, it's okay. Just take your time time off and cuddle yourself. You know, just yeah. don't stay there. Cuddle yourself. But um, it's a it's a you know it's a pretty incredible job. And the other, on the other side, it's the incredible beauty of seeing the first breath a human being takes. That mm. blows my mind away every time. Every and, time. And I mean, I really. I love it because at one point when I can get a chance after mom has done everything that she has to do, I go really, really close to the baby and I look in those eyes and they blow my mind, (laughs) the universe in those eyes. And I just say, you know, God, thank you for the honor of being here. My God, you're amazing. And the baby does look back at you and it's almost like a UFO encounter and they go, gotcha. (laughs) You know, I love it. I love it. I think that babies come in and they know everything, and then we spend a lifetime forgetting. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard that before. So true. Babies are really connected to the universe. They know what's going on. They know how to be born. They know how to breathe for the first time. Nobody has to tell them. They don't have to take a workshop. (laughs) They they just know. They They know know everything. And then mm-hmm. they just start getting, oh, you don't know that. Let me do it for you. Oh, let me explain mm-hmm. it to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting, you know. Um, I was with a client 
sometimes I actually stay with my clients up to one year. We just check in and, you know, brainstorm and discuss it. And I was with a client yesterday, and the baby's, I don't know, 10 months old. They're just incredibly smart, smart, smart human beings. And, of course, mom was saying, oh, should I do this, should I do that, whatever. And, you know, and I was saying, well, ask her what she wants. Because she might not want to, she might not be able to talk, but she knows what she wants. We were talking about food, I think. And, of course, at the same time, you have to have boundaries because you're the adult. And certain things, they just don't even need explanation, really, at 10 months. They just just know, (laughs) right? But... But the recognition of like, oh no, you can ask them. You can, uh, you know, is she eating enough? Well, if she's hungry, she'll let you know. Mhm. Well, it's not like, oh, you know, she's only eating three raspberries. Is that enough? I don't know. Ask her. Mm-hmm. Or she'll have it. And it is just this recognition that that no matter what, even at three hours, they're incredible human beings and they can even play with you. And it's also the recognition that we have so dislearned how to listen to our instinct. Because, of course, when I suggested that, she went, well, just, of course. So she she looks good. She's not losing weight. She looks happy. She's eating exactly as much. But there is so much pressure especially around food now and nutrition, you know. She should not have sugar until she's two. And she, what about dairy and what about GMO? And, and, it's, uh, and, and of course, mothers question themselves, rightly so. But there is a balance between knowledge and information and gut feeling. And the gut feeling is really what we have to learn, listen to, because we have been mothers for, you know, but well, millions of years. <laughs> I think we're okay. We're all right. We're all right without a book. We're all yeah. right. So, yeah, well, speaking of books, <laughs> I'm glad you wrote yours, yeah. and I really want people to get their hands on it. How can somebody get a hold of this, a copy of your book? So, both books are on Amazon.com. So, one is called Conversations with the womb, and the other one is painless childbirth. Um, They each are also available digitally on my website, and if you want a signed copy, you can get them on my website at joyinbirthing.com in the shop area. Uh, Frankly, it's cheaper at Amazon, and and my, my, uh, you know, I just have them on my website. You're welcome to it. Um, and uh, Conversations with the Womb also has its actual own website because even though I haven't had that much time to give it to, it's uh, it's more just for all women enjoying birthing. Obviously, it's focused on birth. But if you if anybody wants to get into the newsletter, I send out excerpts of my book very often in my newsletters so that um, you know, you can see if you're interested in it or what, whatever. <laughs> you're so humble, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with me on the program today. I really appreciate it, and I wish you luck in your workshop today. I hope it goes great, and I hope you enjoy all those 
hearts that will be open to you today. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it was wonderful talking to you as well and uh, exciting. Let's keep on doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to us actually getting together and going to Bali with Robin Lim. It's going to be amazing. I know, I know. We're working on it. I, I, It'll I, happen. We'll see. It will, it will, it will. And right now we're going to Finland and Italy, but it will happen for sure. I'm so excited. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. And I'd like to thank our listeners for listening today and remind you that Progressive Parenting Radio is a listener-funded program. And I would also like to thank our sponsor very much. And today's sponsor of the program is Jane Austen Yoga. Um, Jane Austen Yoga, she's just Jane Austen is a friend of mine and a beautiful, loving, warm, amazing person to learn from. She is passionate about yoga and the transformational power of motherhood. She specializes in working with prenatal and postnatal mamas. She's a mom herself and has been involved with the birthing community since 1990, working as a yoga teacher, a home birth midwife, doula, and childbirth educator. Jane teaches prenatal and postnatal yoga classes and teacher training courses in San Francisco. Dillas, if you ever thought about becoming a prenatal yoga instructor, I highly recommend Jane Austen. She is amazing, and she does two retreats every year, and I'm hoping to do one this October with her. I hope it works out because it would be so fantastic, and it's just fun spending time with her. Also, let your um, clients know that she offers online yoga classes. So if your clients aren't feeling like getting up and going into the gym or going to a yoga class, they can do it in the comfort of their own home through Jane Austen, and it's just janeaustenyoga.com if you want to find out more. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Until then, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. If I ever do anything right, I want to be so good today, this little light, if I ever wake in the night, I want to know.